Hey everybody! Welcome to Verbal Diarrhea, another episode. Welcome back everybody. It's Jennifer and... Varaizo, but you can call me V because most of y'all probably won't be able to say my name, but it's fine. It's fine. fine. Today we're here with a guest. Um, We have, who do we have with us today, Um, Varaizo? We have my friend Unachi. (laughs) Say hi, Unachi. Hi, everybody. (laughs) I am Unachi, who is somebody that loves people um and i i live with my siblings in east london and i recently moved here from cape town and um, the one thing that i'm absolutely obsessed with is people especially within the context of church i believe yeah. in creating safe spaces at in church and it's it's very specific for me. Obviously, all people need to feel safe. But for me, it's especially within the context of particularly young girls who are obviously rising in leadership within the church context. Yeah. yeah I feel very, very passionate yeah. about that. And I often lend my voice to situations like that okay so we kind of have a couple questions for you the first question that we wanted to ask is this this is particularly on the topic about being black in white spaces you lived in cape town and you went to east london so so it's it's not very black and white and i do not mean the pun at all yeah but i do believe that there is an unintended portion in life and unintended spaces where it is definitely a space for whiteness not necessarily i think it's a white space but i believe that it this Mm -hmm. is a space for whiteness to thrive and this is a space for blackness to thrive now before i moved to cape town because now i was naive to the undertones of racism that happened there and they do exist and they are there Mm -hmm. So maybe for the first year or so, I was in my, oh my goodness, I can't believe I get to live in Cape Town bubble. But over time, I came to understand that there are definitely spaces where you walk into and there is no sign that says whites only. But you walk into that space knowing that you feel like you need to be polite but like a white accepted type of politeness. Yeah. Um, you, you feel like your voice, you must tone it down. So like if I'm reading yeah. it correctly, the way you're saying it is that Eastern Cape is majority black people, right? It's a majority black society yeah. where you get to be as black as you want to. Mm-hmm. When you came to Cape Town, it felt more like, okay, now I can't be as loud. So would you define a white space as a place where you're not allowed to be black i think i would define it as you are allowed to be black as long as you are the version of black that i am comfortable with if you speak the way that i speak yeah i speak in a very nice english type of vibe you Mm. know i i am definitely not a stranger to um, white culture so it is more comfortable for me to fit into that space so someone like me initially someone like me does not threaten a white space. It's only after I start defending my blackness, then you hear the, I'm so disappointed 
that you have that opinion. So the yeah. question that I asked is what you said you define as white space. So you say there's these places where you are supposed to kind of tone down your blackness. And I think you, me, and probably Varaizo, and like a bunch of other people I've met, I think most of the people I've met, um, are Varaizo's favorite word, what they will say in quotation marks, coconuts. So we mm. experience yeah. these white spaces and then we also don't fit in these black spaces where we are too white to be black or to be mm-hmm. in black spaces, but we're too black to be white unless we are token blacks and just kind of like, yes, massive vibes. So what what would you define yeah. as a black space coming from the Eastern Cape and then moving to a completely different space? So what is a black space to you? Would it be the contrast or? Maybe it would be the contrast. I've never had to define that before because um, I, I've never had to think about it. You know, uh, so I work in tourism. That's where I come from. And the one thing that I can say with you saying what is a black space, um, it's something that I was thinking about yesterday. And it's an incident which happened with a black British man. And I said to he wanted to go to a specific small village in the Western Cape. So I knew how long he needed to stay in South Africa. And I said to him, listen, um, I would rather that you have a different experience. So don't take your time. I mean, if you had longer, you, you definitely go there and have that experience, but you don't. So rather spend your time somewhere else. And when he asked me why, I said to him, because you're black and it's racist there. Now, when I said that, he looked at me and I said, you know, like you will feel it. He goes, oh, okay, I understand. But his white companion that he was traveling with said, what do you mean? And then, I, and then I, say, I say to the white guy, I don't know how to explain it, but when you're black, you know when you're uninvited in a space. And the black British man that I didn't know, and he was a stranger to me, he just looked at me and said, no, 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 I know exactly what you mean. So when it comes to blackness, um, even within, just like our skin color, because our experiences are so similar that we allow ourselves to be black in ways that we innately understand. Like we give each other permission to be ourselves. So it's something that I feel that we've never really had to define, like what does blackness look like to me? I don't have to... Because it comes naturally. It does come naturally. Because Mm. now you're not holding back. You're just being you. Mm. You know, you don't feel like you need to show off. You're just Mm. being yourself around a black person, no matter where they're from. But then in that case, then we know white spaces to be the more oppressive type of spaces where I can't be too loud. I can't speak in an accent. Mm. I need to sound white. I need to sound educated. Versus where you say, yeah. okay, now I'm in a black space, space, like a neutral space, basically. So going on to the next question, um, how do you think white privilege intersects with this idea of white spaces? Is South Africa a white space? Even though it's majority black people, would you define it as a white space or a black space or neither? I do believe that the South African workplace is a white space. Even sometimes in some instances, actually, but even the South African church space is a white space. But with work, I used to work for a very beautiful, amazing company that was in its own way empowering. And it went through a very big sort of um, growth spurt. 
And at the time, I, I worked as a receptionist. And something that I noted, because obviously the interviewers, when they were coming in, um, they came through to me and then I would, you know, welcome them and introduce them and or whatever and direct where they're supposed to go. And the one thing that I did notice was there were four types of people that came in. And this was over maybe a two week period. If a white guy was coming to be interviewed, he would dress as though after the interview, he's going to go for coffee down the road with his friend. So it became yeah. a little bit um, challenging to gauge whether this person was here to meet someone that worked in the business as a friend or if it was somebody that was here for the interview. So I would act, literally have to ask that question. If it was a white lady, she would be a bit more nicely dressed, but still quite, um, quite informal, casual. quite casual. Yes, that's the word, mm -hmm. casual. If it was a colored or black or any other POC that would come through for an interview, and we mostly had colored, black, and maybe one or two um, people of Indian descent, they were all in suits, like yes. attire. And I realized that that is something that um, subconsciously happens in South Africa because when you are a white person, what you say on paper is taken at face value. But when you are not a white person, if your CV is really amazing, it's like it's, it's, it's accepted, what, but with an underlining layer of skepticism. So you have to prove yeah. that what you've said in your CV is true. By yeah. them employing you, it's like, okay, fine, you're really great. We're doing you a favor. We're going to employ you. Now show us that you're as great as you said you are on paper. But when you're a white person, it's only when you work that if you fall short, then the surprise is like, but you said you could do this and we believed you. So I think um, the workplace is a white space. And mm. I, and there's like also a, a certain level of, intimidation as well and that is why perhaps you have so much of so so many black people who feel uncomfortable in specific spaces even though we are majorly black like this most of us are black because you know who the quote-unquote boss is of that specific space mm -hmm. so i can't just go around shooting off opinions about um racism and white privilege and all of those things if i know that i work for a company that is largely white owned largely male white owned and they absolutely do not believe in this white privilege so if i start saying things like that i'm basically putting my job on the line if i'm not somebody that works for themselves yeah. so to that extent yeah. i would say yes yeah so yeah. in as the power structures like in the economic sector and in the job sector do not reflect the societal, like our census, basically. Like yeah. if you look at people who have power to give employment to yeah. and the ability to receive employment, there's less black people within most industries. Yes, there is less black people. And you also don't, um, and you have to prove yourself a bit more. So when you are a black person in a position of power, you're somebody that's basically representing every other black person that will ever be 
put into that position. So if you're making a mistake, you're not just making a mistake or a work error as an individual, you're making it as a black person, which is a lot of yeah. pressure and that is placed on you. What, what's really sad, um, Jen, you remember the other day when, I was ta- when we were talking about imposter syndrome? Mm. We were talking about how, as a black person, as a woman, when you get into positions or when, even when you're applying, even when you're a student like we are and with our podcast, me and Jen have had to fight this thing, this inner feeling of, does what we have to say really matter? Yeah. Yeah. I can experience those feelings. It's incredible. It's incredible. One of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, her name is Siki, and she has a micro PR agency now. And she once said something on Instagram about how her confidence was boosted so much by just being in Johannesburg because there's a lot of black entrepreneurs in, in Joburg. And she was a Cape Town dweller, which we know is mostly you know, white, especially when it comes to the creative spaces. And she just wrote what a big difference it made to how she presents herself and her ideas and all of those things um, to be in Johannesburg because then she could see value in what she was bringing because Kate just caused her to doubt herself and have that kind of imposter syndrome because her ideas were just not seen as valuable as the white counterparts around her, which shocked me because I've been following Siki for many, many years. And I can, when I see the caliber of the work that she does, I was, I was shocked that anybody would not attribute the value that they should to her, whether they're black or white or anything like that. It's, it's just, it's crazy and it's messed up. Yeah, and like more on that, um, I don't know if you know about this woman called Bazoma St. John. Mm-mm. Have you heard of her? No. Bazoma St. John is a Ghanaian-American businesswoman, and um, she is one of the top marketing executives pretty much in the world. Yeah. She has worked for Uber. She's worked for, Mar- she's worked for all the big giants, like, in tech. Yeah. And she, was, she recently started a new position. I can't remember where. Netflix. And she did a video. Yeah, she did like a, she did a video with one of my favorite authors, Lavi Jones, where they were talking about how Zoma had been in intense pain for days and she had just started the new position. And Mm. even though she's a top in the company, she didn't feel comfortable, she didn't initially feel comfortable telling her boss that, listen, I have to take a day off. I have to go to the doctor because I'm in incredible amounts of pain keep in mind this woman is like a top top executive she's literally who i want to be to grow up like and she's in this top position within this huge company and she still as a black woman felt uncomfortable to ask for what she needed in order to succeed because it, she doesn't know how it's going to be attributed. I mean, we're always told that we're entitled yeah. and lazy and that we get where we get like, when we are as powerful as Bazoma St. John. 
you know, it's like, oh, yeah, no, they're only there, not not because of their skills, not because of their education, but because, you know, it's it's the quote unquote new thing to be to employ black women, black anything as as though we are fashion. Another thing we wanted to ask about was like, you remember the clicks incident? Yes, I do remember. What don't you think that just shows us how South Africa is not as post apartheid as we may think it is? Hey, I I do think that, and I feel I hated it. Obviously, uh, I wear my Afro hair like nobody's business. I hated it, but I also feel that in the way that we respond—not we responded, but in the way that the specific political party responded. Um, they also belittled it for us. So if if somebody were to ask, let's say like there's some white person out there who's like, yeah, it's just about hair. And now here we are trying to, again, educate a white person why something is racist. They're not going to listen anymore because all they see is violence and bullying tactics. So to that end, even if someone was willing to sit down and have kind of like a, a thought about it of, oh, actually, that's a very big deal. Um, I feel like we, we did kind of lose, um, we, we lost audience with bringing people to understanding it, even if we made people scared, like we, we made people, companies scared of how to say certain things and when they're approaching black culture. And to some extent, that's a good yeah. thing because it means that they're being more thoughtful about how they present, yes, thoughtful and respectful, which is really, really amazing. But we also play into the trope of black people are destructive, black people are violent, black, you know, are savage easy. And and I don't like that. Uh, Post-apartheid, I don't, I don't know. I've never really thought that we were that post-apartheid-y because I feel that white people are very good at hiding their racism because now there's a lot more accountability. So there's a lot more accountability in the, in the day and age that, yeah, in the day and age that we live in now, there's way more accountability. They can't just say anything. So they, they are... They can't just say and do anything and get away yeah. with it anymore. Yeah. But the, living the everyday, because I am a black person i am a black woman and i live in my skin like my skin is not an ad that you can just switch the channels on i can't switch my channels on i i'm I'm not like my skin is not my friend that i can drop drop off at the neighbors and then continue you know as something else you know i am black all the time so there is no delusion to me and with a best friend that is white I have no delusion in me that somehow we are so much better because yeah. I'm black. <laughs> I see the experiences, you know, I, I see the looks, I see what white people approve of about me and what they disapprove of, you know, you can be this, but you can't be this so that you can get into this space. So that's the one aspect of it. But then just with my comment saying that I have a white best friend. Yeah. She is the reason why I am not as forgiving when it comes to people saying, 
oh, you know, but we just need time and we need more understanding. Um, it's just that, you know, we've never been here before and we've never navigated these types of spaces and conversations and we're just keeping, we're just only now getting up to date with what's been going on. My best oh. friend yeah. is one of the most privileged people, white people, that anyone could ever come across. And it is through no uh, fault of her own, no effort of her own in some, in, in some ways. She is so privileged. It's, it's just wow. But the level of understanding wow. that has. <laughs> Do you think that um, globalization or the internet has changed the way that we perceive spaces or like the racial significance of certain spaces? Yes, I think so. And the reason I think so is because um, globalization, yes, but as you say, like with, with, with internet access, because mm. we, we are able to encounter people who can give names to the feelings that we can't name yeah. sometimes. Um, there are people who, who you know, like Ra- Rachel Cargill. I mean, that woman knows how to name racism that it's, it's almost like you, you can't really say why something is wrong. Yeah. But she's able to write in such a way that she describes what is wrong in that space and why it is wrong. So that is a good thing. And also you have access to information of people who look like you and who tell you and Mm. show you that the way that you live and the English or whatever other white white language is spoken Mm. in your area, even though Mm. you're black, Mm. is, is fine. Like it, it's okay. It may it it all it makes us braver to present ourselves as ourselves. Yes, that's actually a better way of saying it, because you don't feel we no longer feel isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in our struggles, yes, and, and yeah, and we can't be our our pains and our struggles. Like you say, mm. they can no longer be easily discounted. Yeah. You know, this, that was a long time ago comment mm. or um, it's over now, let's get over it. Mm. We, we can come as a community globally to say this is not okay. Clicks, this is not okay. Mm. You know, um, America, this is not okay. And we can say it as a community, like as a global community. Yeah. So you're not just stuck in your neighborhood with that one racist incident there yeah. and nobody ever gets to hear about it. I really hear you in that because like prior to the the global culture now mm. of like recognizing racism, I know mm. there's instances while I was growing up where I clocked it as racism, yeah. but around me, I was surrounded by people who were eager to act like racism was a thing of the past. <laughs> like, yeah. They, I, I don't know if you've experienced it the same way, but a lot of the most recent generations of white people are mm. reluctant to own their ancestors' actions and the way that their ancestors' actions benefit them in present time. Yeah. Or mm. how they oppress they us are, in present like, time. Yeah. And mm. the, the way they often... And I'm keeping white listeners we're not attacking you Mm -hmm. we're just stating realities you have a lot of white people who are like um i i'm not privileged Mm. i am poor yeah Yeah. i'm not privileged i also live in cryfontaine i'm not privileged i'm also struggling to pay fees and it's Mm. like 
We're not saying you don't struggle. Mm. We're just saying black people struggle disproportionately more than white people do. And it's it's not... And it's backed by facts. In fact, under this podcast, listeners, we're going to have a list of articles that will give you an impression Mm. and will give you mad facts. These are peer-reviewed meaning mm. experts in these fields yeah. black and white mm. have read these articles and approved of them okay. as facts black people mad facts still experience racism in yeah. the workplace in their schools in their interactions even with their white friends yeah. in ways they're uncomfortable with yeah but mm-hmm. because you said like when um unati said that okay now we are now a global community we get to stand up for each other and be like, okay, you guys, Black Lives Matter, South Africa's Lives Matter, and SARS and everything, you know, now, like, as a Black community, we also talk about, like, racism that's happening in China, whatever, but what, what I just said now is that you have people that are our age that talk about, no, racism isn't real, there's no such thing as white privilege, and everything, so it seems like these, this information that's coming up to us, and now we are becoming more informed, it's one-sided, and it's only going to the and white people just going over their heads like they don't see what we see or live in completely different realities in terms of like the political Mm. things that are happening around us that is true and I think for me how I have navigated that in my life is Mm. by trying as much as possible to no longer discount something if I can see in my space that this is this is an undertone of privileged and racism involved you know I, I i don't quite know how to explain it but i think one of the reasons why we tend to as black people we tend to get very upset about certain things is because we let a lot of stuff slide for a yeah. long time yeah so you we know because we, do, we don't want to yeah we don't want to ruffle feathers mm. we don't like you don't want to be that black person mm. you know who brings the thing up and then something happens and you just go off. Yeah. And then a white person is standing there going, what are they talking exactly. about? Exactly, completely confused. What are they? I, I, yes, because we've let a lot of it go. Mm. So I made a decision, especially during the, the very heat, heated part of um, the Black Lives Matter mm. movement that, no, I'm not going to be someone that is policing every two seconds a white person's speech. Mm. But I am also going to take it upon myself. I am giving myself the responsibility of letting someone know when they are behaving in a racist manner. And what they choose to do with that information, that is up to them. And it it then makes me also responsible for the people that I choose to let into my life. No, I see, I understand yeah. that part. Do I want that person? I, I understand that part, but that's, that's for me, like, I understand that that's your personal decision, right? But for me, I feel like it's highly unsustainable because racism is not, it's not like, oh, you got like a little sickness, oh, here's some water, drink it, now racism is over. It's a way of thinking. We can literally get, get rid of racism just by thinking of people the way we think of ourselves. It's not a thing of like trying to educate people politically or telling them about this term and that term. Just literally treat people how you would like to be treated when you see a black person, when you see an Indian person, when you see somebody that's from Af- South America, just treat them with like respect and equality and understand that. And I, I know there's systematic um, 
issues as well. But then this all can be solved with people just treating each other with a sense of like egalitarianism. <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. so for me, yeah, okay, so for me to be like, okay, no, I'm gonna educate. Like, I went to class, um, no, my, my classmates gonna be so angry, but they would say a lot of like really insensitive things on a daily basis to a point where I never talked to them about it. And then um, I'd come home and my parents would be arguing about like political things. I'm like, and my parents, they grew up in Zimbabwe where it's a majority black society. So they can never understand yeah. the kind of racism that me and my siblings have gone through living in white spaces, literally having to chop our arms and legs off just to fit into white spaces. So it yeah. came to a point where I was like, no, this is not like, I'm not going to live my whole life thinking that I have to fight the battle for my ancestors. So this like, how long are we going to fight? How long am I going to be reading i have to go and read up on racial issues just so i can educate somebody like that shouldn't even be my responsibility that shouldn't even be the case like you um, can go read on your own no. you know like we are giving this information and you know what this information is yeah, on the internet it's there if you and this is all news to you we have the information available mm. to you and i right now you might be feeling some type of way, but I encourage you to take time after having listened to this conversation to really read on your own yeah. and make your own choices about how you're going to conduct yourself with the black and brown people around you moving forward. Yeah. Whether you're aware of it or not, there are ways in which you've been socialized to think you're better than mm. us. And that's not me speaking out of insecurity. That is me speaking out of reality yeah. am i wrong no there you is are right a huge issue that we have in our society where we have the concepts of white supremacy literally conditioned into the minds of children and not just white children but black children as well like and can i there's something to add a little bit on that i've got a very very close friend who has an invisible illness mm-hmm. so you wouldn't if you didn't know her very well you wouldn't know that there is something that she's battling with mm-hmm. and they happen to be white. Mm. So when they were asking me about the racism and everything, mm. and I said to them, when I realized that you were somebody that I valued and somebody that I really wanted in my life, I also took it upon myself to make sure that I understood your illness. Okay. okay. So I didn't ask you, I, and I really didn't. So I didn't ask you to bring me articles yeah. and to go and seek out mm. things that will help mm. me. I actually did that research on my yeah. own. And literally right now, um, in a room full of people, if she is in the same room as me, no one else will notice. But I will know when she's starting to have a flare up because I've educated myself about it. So she doesn't have to worry and be anxious about what if something happens and nobody knows that it's happening. And I think um, with privileged people, white people, that is a, a responsibility that they also have to mm. take. You know, that, that, in, that inside thing, that other um, uh, feel or sense that black people mm. have where we know that a white person is speaking polite words, but we know that they're actually being yeah, racist. racist yeah. But your white, friend, your white friend next to you didn't yeah, feel any vibes. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of education that we need our white friends yeah. to have. They need to go and educate themselves yeah. so that they too have a sixth sense and they go, wait, there's something yeah. wrong. 
in this yeah. environment. Like I, I, I don't want to, I, I do yeah. not. Um, and in the context of me having said before that I've taken it upon mm-hmm. myself to say to this person, hey, this was wrong. It's not even a thing of saying, um, I'm now going to educate yeah. you. It's just saying, say my name correctly. Just say mm. my name correctly. If you insist on saying it wrong, I don't want to be in your space. Yeah, okay. You know? So seriously. Yeah. So that's 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 like how I don't know, maybe that'll put it a mm. bit better. So that that is to the extent mm. that I mm. would like to see white people try, mm. you know, and it has nothing to do with wokeness, yeah. number mm. one, or the in the in mm. thing. It's just that we are talking about it now and we are saying recognize us as yeah. humans so that my culture yeah. as a South yeah. African, your culture as mm. a Zimbabwean, as mm. a Tanzanian, as yeah. a Nigerian stops becoming a tourist yes. attraction. Like, yeah, well, like, why, why can't you see me like as a mm. human? Why am I a token? Why am I a tourist attraction? Why, why am I something that is fascinating yes. to you? Why is it yes. not normal? Because I am from mm. Tanzania, of course, yeah, yeah. Look, look at that person there mm. from Tanzania. And that, that's the problem. The problem is you see yourself as a white person. You see yourself as the normal. Yes. You're ne? neutral. And then you see me, you see me as the abnormal, as the fascination. So now that we are saying, mm. hey, stop treating us like we yeah. are not human. You know, we are not a rare yeah. breed. We are human. It looks like an mm. attack because you're not used to it. It is not an attack. It is saying as human as you see your mm. white neighbor, see exactly, me as exactly. that yeah. as well. That's it. Um, so to our listeners, thank you for listening. We hope this was helpful. If you were offended, um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> You'll be okay. You won't die, I promise. Um, I hope that even in your offense, yeah. you were able to take something away from this. Okay. Thank you so much for hosting me, and I hope everybody has a good day. Bye. Thank Bye. you, Nani, for joining us again. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, we've talked a lot. Almost too much. <laughs> <laughs> we hope this is helpful. Yeah. Um, share this podcast with your family yeah. members if that's alright like send it to your family members, send it to your classmates your peers send it to your friend in America or in Switzerland Germany yeah. wherever so you guys remember to hit us up on our Instagram and on our Twitter follow us and interact with us we also have our email that's in the description below yeah sending you guys good vibes and positive energy only